coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. I'm 23 years old, and um, I've been gambling on sports since I was 12. It has ruined every aspect of my life, shattered everything. But I just can't kick it, man. I'm just feeling more and more defeated. I can hear it in you. What up, what up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. The greatest marriage and mental health and relationship podcast ever created. Um, Hey, listen. One of the greatest ways you can support the show with no money, no, you don't have to send anything just to hit the subscribe button. If you'll just subscribe or if you will go to wherever you're listening to this on podcast and just give a five-star review. I'm all about lying. I'm all about you thinking, ah, this is actually a three-star show. And that's actually pretty generous too. But you're going ahead and hitting the five. I won't tell. I think you have a cosmic pass to uh, give us all joy. Listen, Kelly needs this. That's just, that's what this comes down to. Kelly needs this. Um, but hey, it is a no-cost, um, easy way for you to support the show. And I'm super grateful for it. And it, what it does is it kicks it up into the algorithms and it makes it available to more people who are searching for things that this show can help them with. And so it's less about vanity. Um, I've got a 12-year-old and a six-year-old daughter, and my vanity is out the window because she, hey, (laughs) listen to this, Kelly. Yesterday, I was, uh, my daughter and I were playing uh, air hockey, and she beat me. And we were yelling and trash talking and going back and forth. And then on the way up the stairs from the basement, she looked at me and goes, hey, dad. And I said, yeah. And she goes, what's wrong with you? So listen, I don't, I, this isn't for my vain glory. This actually helps other people get the help that they need when they go searching for these topics. So leave your five-star reviews, hit subscribe, and I would be really, really grateful. And by the way, I'm a part of a network that's got all kind of different shows on it, um, whether it's shows about career or how to deal with your money, all kind of things. So check out the Ramsey Network for other shows. All right, let's go out to uh, Baltimore and talk to Kevin. What's up, Kevin? Hey, Dr. John, how are you? I'm all right, brother. How are you? Um, pretty horrible, but, um, I feel very fortunate that, um, I'm able to speak to you today. So, well, man, let's, let's get into it. What's up? So I'm 23 years old and, um, I've been gambling on sports since I was 12. Um, it has ruined every aspect of my life, shattered everything. Um, and you know, I'm, I've listened to a lot of your stuff and, you know, I've, I've done a lot of things to try and put myself in a position to get better. Um, I've gone to GA. I'm still going to GA. Um, I've seen a therapist, um, that specializes in this kind of thing. Um, but I just can't kick it, man. And I'm feeling, I'm just feeling more and more defeated by, by the second, by the minute, by the day. So, um, just hoping that maybe you can give me any wisdom or, or just advice to maybe help me out. Yeah, man. I can hear it in you. You're exhausted. Yeah, most people say that. <laughs> you're, you sound exhausted. Yeah. That's, yeah. Are you, you sound way past tired. You sound exhausted. Yeah, I also haven't slept in um, since Sunday, really. Maybe a few hours. So it, it keeps me up all day and just makes me hate myself more every day. Yeah. So I'm in, just in a bad spot. <laughs> there you go. Um, are you coming off anything? Um, no, what do you mean in terms of like drugs or alcohol? Or yeah. Anything? Do you use? No, I, I don't drink or do any drugs at all. Okay. So gambling has just always been, been the thing. What, what, how did this become part of your life? Yeah. So this is the, the real sad part is just that like, um, Hey, hold on. Know, I was oh, hey, hold on. I'm going to start. I'm going to stop you there. Like, you and I are friends now, and I'm going to, at least while you're on the phone with me, you're not going to talk about Kevin like that anymore. Okay. That you're sad, that you're a loser, and that everything sucks. You're not going to talk like that anymore. Okay. Okay? That's a choice to put on, a, like, a, like, a black trench coat of weight. You're right. That you don't need to carry. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. So, tell, like, we'll get into all the nitty-gritty, all the guts and blood and all that stuff. Yeah. But... At least when you're on the phone with me, you're not going to talk to yourself, uh, talk about yourself that way. Is that cool? All right. I appreciate you checking me on that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, 12, 12 years old, what was going on in your yeah. world? So, 
So I was never really like the brains of the family and sports were always my thing. I was a great athlete. You know, I played all, all the sports. And, um, so I guess when I was, I think a freshman, freshman high school, my friend had an older brother that was like a bookie that would take bets. And, um, that's like really how I, you know, kind of got started. I mean, I was basically gambling with lunch money then at that point, (laughs) but, but yeah, I mean, you know, ever since then, it's just, it's just gotten worse. And, you know, I've gone, I've gone days, I've maybe gone a week or two, but you know, for the past literal decade, I, I have not been able to successfully stop for any long period of time. And I'll also say that, you know, for the past decade, I haven't been making a concentrated effort, you know, to, to fully stop, but right. at least for the, at least for the past year or two, man, I've, I've been grinding so hard and I know it's, people just say, just stop. Like what's so hard. And I, it, no, seems, I'm not, it seems that simple, but <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that that's madness. Yeah. Um, but, but seriously, uh, just stop, yeah. Kevin, just stop. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, there's so much here. Okay. There's a couple of things yeah. I'm going to walk through with you. Would you be willing to talk to a buddy of mine? I would talk to anyone that would love that would like to talk to me. Absolutely. Would, would you do it this morning? This isn't like a gotcha move, but I'm going to talk to you through a couple of things. Um, but there's somebody that I met via um, Instagram of all places and who's oh, wow. walked a journey and he's about a year and a half ahead of you on this. Um, yeah. If I, if I invited him into this conversation, would that be cool? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It'll be a little clunky because we did none of this is planned or prepped or anything, but um, sure. here's what I want to, I want to start you with. What have you tried to stop? How, how have you tried to stop? Yeah. So, um, I've, my parents are extremely supportive. Um, and that, that makes me kind of feel even worse just because I continue to let them down, but, um, they can see, you know, they can see all my money. Um, they can see what comes in and what goes out. Um, like I said, I've been to GA, um, I've self excluded myself from casinos, but that doesn't really stop you from going in there. It's just kind of like a, 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 a thing that you can do that is supposed to help. But unless the security person recognizes you in there and sees that you're, you're not, you know, that you're, you're, you've self banned, they're not going to do anything. So, yeah. um, and you know, the, 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 the part that sucks is just that like with sports things specifically, like there are so many offshore books, the illegal, like if you want to get money on something, you can get money on it. You know, that's just like the reality of it. Yes. And you know, I've tried the self excluding, I've tried banning myself, but ultimately I've kind of just realized like, I I, I have to be like, I I have to get to a point where it just doesn't even entice me, you know, because it's always going to be there. I can't just exclude, 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 you know, it doesn't seem like that's a viable option. Or it's like somebody who struggles with disordered eating. If you're a coke addict, you can just quit doing. I mean, you can stop surrounding yourself with cocaine. If you struggle with disordered eating, you've got to make peace with food because you can't just avoid it forever, right? right? Exactly. Uh, and you you've nailed it. You are living in this weird little sliver of history when you have virtually unlimited access to credit to money and virtually yep. unlimited access to gambling and now that with the last four years we just stuck it in your cell phone right we put it in your pocket yeah you don't have yep. to you can go have to go anywhere right exactly um yeah so at some point here's what i'm hearing i'm hearing a guy at war and i've never met anybody ever who quote unquote defeated their addiction yeah i've never heard that I've never heard a guy or or, or a, a woman who defeats alcoholism. I've yeah. heard somebody take a knee and submit. Yeah. And you get the difference there. It's a totally different way of doing life. Yeah. And I was going to say too, one of the things that like actually scares me the most is that there's a guy in, um, in the GA that I go to mm-hmm. who's been clean since 89. And he says every single time that he's just a day away, like anyone else from stepping into a casino and gambling. And I just think, I know he's saying that to make us feel like, you know, like we can get through it. But to me, it feels like if I have to live with this, like for the rest of my life, like how I, I don't know if I can do that. Like, like he's one day away. Like, am I always going to be one day? Am I always going to feel this? Like, cause I I can't live like this, man. I can't listen. You're not going to feel what you've got right now. No. The dial, yeah. the dial turns back, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, 
Like, and I, then I think, I, like, I, dude, I want to hug you so bad. I just want to give you a hug, man. Well, then I just think too, like, you know, there's just so much stuff that goes into this. And I just think like, like, I just feel like I've been robbed of every joy. Like my dopamine is just so cracked out from all of this gambling that like, if I can even get to a point where I can stop, like, am I ever even going to find joy? Like, you know, it just feels like an uphill battle to even stop. And then I feel like, okay, once I get to the top, like, am I even going to be happy? Like, is anything even going to change? Or am I just going to be robbed of the one thing that at least brought me, you know, dopamine? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I know about dopamine. I, I, hold on. Hang, hang on the line here. I'm going to bring, um, I'm going to bring Craig up. Hang on one second. Okay. Okay. Craig, are you there? How's it going, Dr. John? I'm good, my brother. Hey, um, this is, so just so everybody knows, this morning, early this morning, I I was checking the just my calendar today, and I looked at the show notes, and I saw this was this call was coming. Jenna had sent these in. And so, Craig, this is the first time you and I have ever spoken in person, but we met via Instagram when you reached out, and over the last year and a half, you have just... I mean, you've changed every aspect of your life in a in a profound way, man. So it's a it's such a gift and an honor to hear from you over the last year and a half as you've changed everything. And um, I appreciate you. I just reached out this morning and it's like, hey, this is a curveball. Would you mind jumping on a call with me this morning? And so I, man, I appreciate you going for it, dude. This is uh, what I've learned is a part of uh, giving back. So um, I was happy to do that. Well, and I'm, um, I'm grateful, man. I was the same. I was the same person 633 days ago. Wow. So you've, you've heard this. You've been on the, on the line since Kevin started talking. Tell me how familiar this sounds to you. Um, it sounds exactly like me at 23, only I'm 43 now. Okay. And I wish I had the guts and courage uh, for what he's doing now. Um, but I will say this, 23-year-old Craig would have not been ready to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I only stopped when I was absolutely ready. And uh, for me, it was just the right time, the right moment, the right place. I was uh, desperate just like him. I think it was December 28th or 29th. I was at my wit's end and I was emailing you or messaging you on Instagram. And I just was pouring my guts out and I never thought that anybody would even read it or, or look at it. And couple days later, you got back to me and you said one thing that stuck with me and that made me realize that I needed help. And it was that you cannot do this alone. And my whole life, since I'm 10 years old, I was trying to do it alone. And that's when I finally reached out for help. And then here you are, man, you just sent me some pictures of your wedding a few, few weeks ago, man. So Walk, walk us through you've you've i mean you've paid off like hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt you're cleaning your whole life is changing that is correct um for me the biggest thing uh was connection um my uh gambling brought me to isolation and just wanting to be alone and uh forgetting what it was like to be a human and uh, when I listened to you and I said, uh, when you said that you couldn't do this alone, um, I started researching help. I found an online uh, support group. And through that online support group, I actually found two gentlemen in South Florida that are now my uh, mentors that I speak to every single day. And I even visit them. And uh, one mentor had 50, has 52 years in the program. He's number 14 in the world of being uh, clean. From gambling, his name is uh, his nickname is Bob Bracelets, and the other guy's name is Saki, and they've been with me every single day since day three. And for me, it was about letting it out, having someone to talk to, um, not being ashamed anymore, getting it off my chest. Um, two guys that have been there before and uh, understood it, because only another compulsive gambler is going to understand another compulsive gambler. So, hey, Kevin, you're there? Yeah. So here's what I'm hearing, the difference between what you're saying and a guy that's a year and a half ahead of you or or two years ahead of you, okay, is you're going to the meetings, you are interacting with your family, 
you are trying to fight this thing, but you're doing it completely and totally by yourself. Do you get the difference? I think so, yeah. Or let me put it this way. You can go to the you can go to meetings and be surrounded by people who say, We love you, Kevin, welcome, Kevin, and you can feel completely and totally alone. Oh yeah. That's that's to a T. Yeah. And there's something um different about going to a meeting and then doing what Craig did, sitting across from somebody and saying, I'm in a mess. Help. And which is, and that's what you're doing today. Actually, you're reaching out. And I would say you've gone to a therapist. Y'all are trying to fix things. You're trying to stop gambling. Yeah. That's different than help. And if I could, um, I'm sorry. I don't mean to No, Craig, hop in. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to step out and I want Craig, you talk to Kevin and Kevin, you talk back to Craig here for a minute. Hey, Kev, there's a place online. It's called gamblersinrecovery.com. It's 24 hour meetings from around the world. You can find a meeting every hour on Zoom. And I was just like you. I actually, during the pandemic, I, I had to do. I probably did three, four, five meetings a day in the first 90 days just to try to stay away from a bet. And having that kind of access to people with that kind of knowledge and who have been around um, just helped me tremendously. I'm not going to say it's easy. It is the hardest thing I ever had to do in my life. By far the hardest thing I ever had to do in my life. And I heard you talk about like your joy and your dopamine. I was you times 20 and I'm, <laughs> and Dr. John knows some of the numbers. I was you times 20, just 20 years later. And you're going to be me in 20 years. If you don't figure this out now. Yeah. If you have a chance because you're looking for help. And Craig, I saw some pictures of you with this beautiful new wife of yours. Are you, have you found joy in other places? That's exactly where I was getting to. Um, I was the same way, even having a, um, a future fiance and then a beautiful wife and having a, a daughter who plays sports and who's active and engaged and a great student. None of those things at the time were making me happy or bringing me joy. 632 days later, I find joy in those things again. It does subside. Does it go away? No, no. Yeah. I was somebody like you gambling 12, 14 hours a day you know, insane amounts of money, had no business doing it because of access to lots and lots of credit, same exact stuff, but it does yeah. subside, but it takes time. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work, but it's worth it. So Kevin, what are you hearing? What are you feeling? I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I know damn well, like how hard it is, but to hear that for you, that it does get better is something that, I think is really resounding to me just because sometimes I even like look around the room, like in GA and stuff. And it just seems like people are just, even people that have kicked it, you know, it just seems like every day is like such a battle. And I guess it is always going to be that way, but here's someone, you know, reclaim a lot of like joys in their life. And just, I mean, you seem like a happy person, like just speaking to you and that. Okay, that I go is, weeks on end. I, I go weeks on end now. Well, it's not even, thinking about gambling when I thought about gambling 24 seven, I, I, I was like you, I started when I was 10 years old, fixing football pools in my Catholic school with my best friend to, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even, I started fixing football pools at 10 years old. And then my last, I'm, I'm going to share this and I'm not embarrassed. My last bet and my money doesn't mean anything in the program, but just to give you an idea, from fixing football pools at 10 years old to my last bet was $27,000, and I have no business gambling $27,000. And, and that's, that was that 32-year experience. So it was just like a drug addict. I just needed more and more and more mm-hmm. to get the same exact feeling that I used to get as that kid at 10 years old fixing football pools. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's, and that's where we go. That's the same thing as me when I, when I was, you know, I started when I was in my teens and 
10, $10, $20 wins would make me happy. And, and now if I don't have four figures on, on a game, it's like, uh, sometimes I don't even bother watching if I don't have that much on it. So, Hey, Craig, tell, so let me hop in here. T- t- Craig, tell me if I'm, cause Craig, I know you've got a hard out cause you're, you're a teacher and you're working with people. Um, Correct. let me, um, I'm going to say something to, to Kevin and you hop in if I'm off base here. Okay. Sure. Kevin, what I, I've never found somebody who successfully hates themselves out of bad behavior. I've never found somebody who's able to shame themselves into making um, long-term life change ever. So here's a way I want you to look at this for the next few months. Um, You're 23, so you don't don't have a a kid, do you? No, I don't. Okay. There is something so insanely maddening and weirdly beautiful about having your kid wake up in the middle of the night and come running into your room. And say, Daddy, I'm sick, and then barfing on you. It's, dude, you got to understand, it's the worst. You're dead asleep, and now some kids barfed on you. And there's something poetic about that kid came to the one place he or she knew to go to when they weren't okay. And that's me. And so I want you to stop thinking of yourself as if, if my kid came running into my room and stuck their finger down your throat and was like, Hey dad, ha ha. And barfed all over me. That's a totally different story. That's the way you're talking about yourself. And so I want you to imagine for the next six months, the next year, the next six months, I think you're sick, man. And you're not a bad guy. You're not some sort of dysfunctional, shameful, idiotic guy. You're sick. And the antibiotic here is going to be other people. And if you will reframe, I suck, I fail, I've been trying to this thing for 10 years, I've been fighting this thing, you're taking a very athletic approach to it. I will conquer. I will will myself through this. Um, Like very David Goggins, I've never seen that work with addiction. I've only seen it, I'm sitting down, I'm looking at another human being and saying I'm not all right. Yeah, doctor, I was the same exact way. And you're never, this isn't like a program or something that you graduate from. Um, You don't get any graduation. And what I've learned is um, you're not going to beat it. You're not going to conquer it. It's not going to go away. You're going to arrest it though. Hmm. And you can, you can arrest this disease sometimes one minute, sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes an hour, sometimes a day at a time. And then with time and patience and work, you can get to a point where you're not thinking about it 24-7 and you're not thinking about it for days and then you're not thinking about it for weeks and you you can get better. All right, Craig, I, I, know, I, the, Craig, I know you got to run. What do you say, Kevin? I was going to say, I think part of the issue too is just that like, I have like an amazing girlfriend and she knows that I'm NGA and she knows I have a problem, but I'm always just afraid to share day to day how terrible I'm feeling just because, you know, like not that it makes me a bad person. Like you said, I'm sick, but like, this is something that ruins a lot of relationships, you know, and marriages. And I just think like, damn, if I'm completely open and I'm completely honest, am I going to ruin relationships when people realize how Kevin, you know what that is? That's shame right there. Yeah. That's shame. That's all I feel. If somebody actually knows me, will they still love me? And yeah. that, that is the yeah. gasoline in the engine of addiction. Because at the core, you believe no. If they really knew me, she would not love me. And I call bull crap on that. I think it's a lie too. It I is. Think it's a lie. And so that when, when, when Craig says you got to do the work, that's the work is living a open. life with, with no secrets. Yes, you have to be open and honest to be able to beat this thing. You have to be. Yeah. All right, Craig, I know you got to get to class, man. Hey, uh, it's an absolute honor. Thank you for being brave. I appreciate it. My my mentor told me you better get your butt on that thing and give back. (laughs) (laughs) Good for him. Good for him. Hey, I'm grateful for you. Um, I'll connect you to via uh, direct message. Is that cool? That's perfectly fine. All right, man. See you, Craig. All right, uh, uh, Kevin. You still there, Kevin? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for doing that, by the way. No, you got it. Is there, you've probably had several conversations like that and I know they're not panaceas and I know they're not, they can't fix everything. Um, 
Your voice sounds different now than it did at the beginning of this call. Yeah, I think so too. So I want to, um, this is like the part of the movie when there's the montage and someone like starts lifting weights and Rocky music's playing in the background. I don't want to blow over. If you are serious about getting well, the next three months are going to be hell. There's just no way around that. And he said it at the beginning of the call. You have to decide, am I ready for that? Am I ready for three months of hell? And if you are, man, awesome. All in. And if you're not, make peace with not being ready to go through hell. But all of the trash talking that you do to Kevin is is not, it's not helping either side of this teeter-totter, right? It's not making you a better yeah. gambler, and it's not making you a weller human being. Yeah. Right? I think, too, is just I've found that depression just goes so hand-in-hand hand with addiction. And it just seems Absolutely, like... Absolutely, dude. You know, even if I... Like I was telling you earlier, I'm just skeptical about hell. If I can go three months without this, is my life even going to have meaning? And everyone that I've talked to, like the like the, the guy you brought on, say the same thing. It does get better. It's, it's just so hard for me to believe with the way I feel. But I got it. I guess I just have to trust what everyone's telling me. Can I ask you a hard question? Yeah. Have you been right yet? No. No. So let's Never. try. Let's try. <laughs> So, let, so let's let's try something different. Yeah. Our feelings have one job, and that's to get us to the next day. It will even smoke a cigarette today to deal with today's stress, knowing it's going to kill us tomorrow. And for whatever reason, your body has associated, I need this fix right now, even though I know it's killing me tomorrow. It'll get me through right now. And the goal is to create a little bit bigger gap. And he said it, he said it beautifully. Sometimes that gap's one minute. I'm going to hold my breath for 60 seconds and get through this impulse. Yeah. I'm going to text somebody. I'm going to call him. I'm going to get on that, whatever website he just gave you. I'm going to get on there. I'm going to get on there. I'm going to get on there. It's I'm talking 60 seconds. Yeah. It just makes me feel terrible. I know I'm talking bad about Kevin again, but (laughs) it's like, you know, it makes, it gives me so much guilt to put people that I love like with this because I did it all myself, man. I don't have a terminal illness. I don't, I don't have something I can't control. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now you're back to morality and we're going to take morality off the table. You're a brave dude. We're taking morality off the table. You're sick, man. And you don't want to believe you're sick. You want to think that you can just flex your way through this and you can't. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way. And you, <laughs> you're also too smart for your own good, quite honestly. I know. I mean, I have so many friends that are in the same position, and they have no idea they're even addicted. It's just like they're, they're norm, and they don't even and I don't Here's even what know. you're going to have to do. Here's, here's every single person who struggles with addiction I've ever met struggles with. You're going to have to find new people to be around. Yeah. You're going to have to find new communities. You're going to have to find new things to do when you get stressed out or angry or enraged or heartbroken. Yeah. You're going to have to breathe through these seasons, man. And it's just, here it is. It's a set of skills. You play sports before. The first time somebody told you to, I don't know, shoot a basketball, you had to learn how to do that. That's what you're doing, man. You're learning a new set of skills. And the more you can keep an open hand towards these new sets of skills versus trying to close fist around it. Um, man, the, the gentler, the ride and the ride's not going to be gentle. Yeah. Right. But it'll be worth it. I cannot imagine a scenario where it's not worth it. Yeah. And like you, like you were saying earlier, I keep thinking, you know, about how you said, you know, if you're ready for the next three, it's like, I'm going to have to be ready at some point. Cause it's going to kill me by itself if I don't, you know? You can do it now, or you can do it in jail, or you can do it in court-mandated uh, court mandated rehab. Yeah. But you're going to do it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, here's, so right. here's my promise. Uh, I'm going to connect you with um, offline. I'm going to connect you with Craig, if that's a, a somebody you want to reach out to as a resource. I also yeah. am committed to, um, I'll put you on anytime you want to come on and let me know about your journey. Okay. Thanks, man. 
That means a lot. And if you have um, a great month and then you fall off the wagon, all right, you're still my friend. All right, I'll still pick up the tab. Just come hang out. And if you have yeah. two months and you're and you're doing all right, awesome. If you have three months, awesome. And if your girlfriend wants to call into the show and say, how do I love somebody who's struggling? I'd love to take that call too, okay? Yeah. I'll help you every step of the way I can. Hang on the line here. I'm going to send you a copy of Own Your Past, Change Your Future on me, just a book to say, okay, here's what what's happened. I've got to own what I did, period. Now what? I'm going to walk with you, my brother. Thank you so much for your bravery. And a big shout out again to Craig for reaching, uh, for taking a last second call this morning. Um, If you are struggling with addiction, can't do it by yourself, and you're worth peace. Be right back. It seems like everybody is talking about how crazy the housing market is right now and how powerless homebuyers feel. Mix that with the stress of moving and life change and job change, and you've got a tornado of anxiety fueling one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. This is not a good idea. So if you're a new home buyer right now, my advice to you is to focus on what you can control, like the people you choose to help you in the home buying process. You need folks like my friends at Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is a Ramsey trusted provider that's been helping people with their home mortgages for decades. And their home buyer edge program will help you skip a bunch of the stress. Here's how it works. Apply to become a Churchill certified home buyer and cap your interest rate for 90 days. Then you'll get a $5,000 seller guarantee to help your offer stand out. So go ahead, take a deep breath because Churchill has your back. Check them out at churchillmortgage.com slash Deloney and get the home buyer edge today. All right, let's go to Jody in Manitoba, Canada. What's up, Jody? Hi. How are we doing? Oh, uh, I'm pretty nervous. Um, <laughs> I am too. I'm terrible at this, so we'll we'll be nervous no. together. It'll be fine. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you totally believe me. All right, so what's up? Well, um, okay. I guess I'll start with my question. Um, how do I make a decision about the future of my marriage when fear paralyzes me from making any kind of decision? What decision do you have to make? Um, basically, if we continue um, it, on this path or, you know, if I, if I walk away from this relationship. You're being super vague. Okay, well, maybe I'll give you a little bit of history here. Um, So I met my husband um, when I was 29. He's seven years older than me. We've been married for about nine years now. Um, I had a child I brought into the relationship, um, which is from just kind of a short relationship that I had. But when I discovered I was pregnant, um, the father just rejected everything. So he left at that point. Um, so it had been about a year later and, um, I met my husband and I, I guess, you know, my, my self-esteem was really low and I probably had no business getting into a relationship at that point. But, you know, here was this nice stable guy. Um, he had a job, he had a house, he treated me with respect and, and I wasn't used to having that. So, you know, I, I let him in, um, we did have a bit of a rocky relationship that was kind of on again, off again, because I, I, you know, I kept thinking like, no, this isn't what I want, but you know, the alternative was I I was alone and, and I just wanted somebody to be there. Um, so, you know, we dated for about a year and then we got engaged and, you know, immediately after we got engaged, I was like, oh my God, this relationship is, is, is just moving forward. And, and I'm not sure that this is the right thing. Um, but I just kind of, you know, stifled those feelings and, you know, got swept up in the excitement of planning a wedding. Um, so we had this huge lavish wedding that 
of course, we could not afford. Um, we decided to buy a house. We went on a honeymoon and sort of when we came back and settled into normal everyday life, um, that's when things got really, really hard. And when you say really hard, I want to I get real, real clear here. Really hard, like he's abusive. He, he um, or, 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 or really hard, like you don't find him attractive. You don't like um, him. Really hard in that, you know, we, we started arguing a lot. We started fighting a lot. Um, that's a lot. That, that's traveled. a lot of new marriages. So like what, what is, this seems more existential. Um, well, it just, it was a lot of loneliness on my part. Um, my husband travels a lot for work. Um, so I was left alone and I guess it wasn't what I had been expecting out of married life. I, I thought I would have this companion. I thought our relationship would be, um, just wonderful. And, but, but I don't, hmm. I'm going to take a risk here. I don't think that the relationship is the problem. I really don't. I don't think you like Jody. Because you had a picture of a thing and it was going to look like this and it ended up looking like something else. Yeah. And it's taken you 10 years, almost a decade. And when someone says, I got left alone. I was lonely. My first question is, why'd you choose loneliness? So after your husband decides he's going to be on the road or has to be on the road for his job, A, yeah. you didn't have that conversation, which I get, man. Not a lot. Of, I didn't have that skill set until 15 years after being married to say, hey, I need this or I want this. I get that. And you didn't choose to find relationships and community with other people, which I think all married couples need. So it sounds like you were expecting this person. I, it sounds like you married a ghost is what it sounds like. You married a fantasy. Yeah. And nobody, there is no ghost or fantasy that can be both super attractive and, and support you and not bother you, but also be there for you and be your companion, but not too much. You see what I'm saying? It's a moving yeah. target. And that's you. Anytime someone's dealing with a moving target, it's almost always them trying to use external means to fill internal holes. So yeah. what is it about Jody that you don't trust? Um, I don't know. I've been rejected a lot in my life. Yeah. Um, relationships are really hard for me. Um, <laughs> me too. Out there. Me, me too. Yeah. So here, here's my promise to you. I promise you this. This may not be your, this may not, you may not stay married to this guy long term. That's another conversation, another call. If yeah. you leave him today and meet somebody in three months, you're going to be in this exact same boat in five to 10 years because you haven't dealt with you. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. So let me ask you this one terrifying, scary question. What do you want, Jody? And I'm asking well, that in, in the bound context of you're a mom and you're a wife. What do you yeah. want? Peace. Okay. That comes from the inside out. Yeah. What are you unpeaceful about? Um, I don't know. It's just like I've completely shut down. I things that you know should should bring me joy just don't. Okay. Um, I've heard you talk on the show about people that escape, you know, on Facebook and Instagram and and just kind of scroll their entire lives away and and that's me to a T like I just I just try to escape 
and it's not from some it's, it it sounds like you're not escaping from a dragon it sounds like you're escaping from smoke and it's it's easier to escape a dragon cuz you can see it yeah and this feels like it's enveloping you is that fair yeah you are describing to a T depression have you gone to talk to somebody um i actually from the time that I wrote your show to like this call today, um, I actually have one appointment with, um, with a counselor. Good. Here's what I want you to do. Have you had that, had that meeting yet? Yeah, I've had okay. one meeting so far. How was it? Um, promising. Okay. I think there's a really bright light at the other end of this. But I think that you're um, – I talk a lot about anxiety and OCD and those kind of things. One thing I don't play around with is depression just because I just look at the data, okay? And it's – that one's a tough one just to think your way out of or just to go act your way out of. Usually you have to sit yeah. down with somebody and be, and be honest, often for the first time in your life. And here's, here's the goal here. Joy, yes, but we're looking at creating a life worth living. And you sound like somebody who's allowed life to happen to them for a long, long time. And you've loved parts of it, and you also thought different parts of it would feel differently than they actually do. And there's parts of it you don't like that don't fit your picture of what you would, what you would do. Changing partners right now, I don't know that that fixes that. It might. I'd, I don't see it. Yeah. But th that's for you and your therapist. I talked to somebody recently who quit their job as a highfalutin job and had been struggling with some depression, some anxiety, and quit their job and things felt good for a few weeks. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, the depression anxiety's back. And it's like, yeah. You thought an external, an external stressor would fix an internal challenge. And it won't. Sometimes it'll help. Sometimes changing the context will help, but this is a long time, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I've been on medication for depression and anxiety. Okay. And I just feel like, you know, every time kind of life gets harder and I go, you know, to the doctor and it's just like up my dosage, up my dosage, right? So. Yeah. But, but listen, when you go to the doctor to stop feeling bad, that's for most that's the only tool they've got and the yeah. goal right now is to not stop feeling bad the goal is let's build a life worth living and those are different things when you tell your husband that you're on the fence about right now i just need you to do this and this and this because they make those things make me feel bad or i don't feel good i don't feel joy that's different than, hey, would you be a part of changing everything with me? Yeah. That's a totally different – one is an invitation to an adventure and the other is a, is a phone book of rules and regulations. And that phone book moves and it pushes and it goes and it goes. Um, the adventure is never ending. And so here's my promise to you. Go to the counselor. And be honest about not what you want to stop feeling as much. And be honest, of course, about that. But also be highly intentional, uh, intentional about asking for skills to build a life that you want to be a part of. And that will include really hard conversations with your current husband. That'll include hard conversations with your kid. That'll include new boundaries. That will include you doing different things, hard things, like getting up every morning and exercise. Think you'll, you know, whatever. It will require you to change too. It will not be easy. But you're at a stage now, and everybody listening, this is a stage when somebody needs professional help. This isn't something I'm going to solve on the radio. Um, this isn't something you're going to solve over a cup of coffee. And this isn't one of those things you tell somebody, you just need to, you know, think more. Nope. This has all the hallmarks of somebody who's struggling with depression. 
And the light on the other side of this thing is has a brightness that you can't only imagine, Jody. To go sit with this therapist, be honest, be direct, be specific about changing your life. We're rooting for you, my sister. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest, right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone. Or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you. But it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Let's go to Jackie in Danville. What's up, Jackie? Oh, not much. Just child problems. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you got child problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got nine and nine. Okay, so what's up? Tell me what's going on. Okay, so my youngest is going to be 13 in about a month. Okay. Um, I got a 12-year-old, same. Let's figure this out. Awesome. I no longer know what to do or how to handle situations with him. Okay. Um, right now, he is failing almost every class. Okay. Fighting with every teacher. His school's fed up with him. Um, they're threatening to keep him in the principal's office for the rest of the year and do all of his classes except PE in the principal's office. Okay. Um, he won't do chores at home, and I don't ask a lot. You know, keep his room clean, straighten up his bathroom, into the dishwasher. I mean, it's not a lot. Um, I try taking privileges, and I try giving privileges, and bribery and everything. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm at a loss. Yeah. Oh man. I'm sorry. Jeez. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, this sounds like a boy that doesn't feel safe. Why wouldn't he feel safe? Um, I'm was a single mom. Um, his father actually passed away, uh, about three years ago and he never really had anything to do with him. Um, he kept it hidden from his family and they just recently came into his life about three or four years ago. So there's that. And then, you know, young, dumb mom, you know, <laughs> bounced around. So he's, you know, had a really two different stable people in his life. But, um, you say bounced around like just married, different boyfriends, different boyfriends or different marriages. Yeah. Okay. Uh, only one marriage. Um, Recently got divorced. It was just a bad situation. Um, what does that mean? So was, was, that. There, was there abuse uh, in the home? No. I mean, his my mother-in-law was kind of a terror. Um, she wouldn't let him do, you know, stuff on his own and would get milk, you know, mad. Like if he spilled milk, corn, cereal, you know, dumb stuff. So... It's just a lot. <laughs> so I finally got out of that situation and I moved in with um, my parents for a little while. And then, you know, young and dumb again, got, you know, went straight into another relationship and I've been living with him for about three years, but he's never had any children. So he doesn't know how to handle him. And I feel like I'm constantly man in the middle between the two of them. And, you know, my boyfriend's like, Tell him this. I'm like, why don't you just tell him? <laughs> so I don't know what to do. 
And underneath all of this is a little kid. Right. And I... Hiding in a teenage body. Try to keep that in mind. (laughs) Hiding in a teenage body. Is a little kid saying, what was so wrong with me that dad left? Why does God hate me so much that daddy died? And who the hell is this guy think he is talking to my mom like that, talking to me like that? Who is this other grandma trying to tell me that I'm a bad kid for spilling milk? Like, And all of a sudden, that little 12-year-old boy, his body explodes from the inside out. And so when you describe those things, I don't see a bad kid at all. I see a kid screaming, somebody, please tell me I'm okay. I know, and I'm 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 trying to get him to open up, and he like he, he, won't talk he, to me he, or his grandmother. Jackie, or... he has no way he's going to open up. No way, I wouldn't. Not if there's some th- third or fourth radioactive alpha male in my house trying to go to war with me as a twelve year old. I'm not going to open up in that environment. In no way. And the last time I opened up to a, an elderly person, she got mad at me for spilling cornflakes. Right. And so he sits on it. He has learned, I'm going to sit on this. The only problem is he doesn't have the strength and fortitude or access to alcohol to do it. Like most men do. Or he doesn't have a graduate degree from law school to go hide in his office for the next 40 years. And so he just explodes. He is not a bad kid. No, he's not. (laughs) Unfortunately, he's too smart for his own good. The teachers are constantly like, he skirts around the rules by doing this, this, and this. But he's not really breaking the rules. <laughs> and I constantly tell him, I'm like, you know. Listen, Jackie, the, the words you just said, I constantly tell him, I don't care. I don't care what you tell him. No words will get through to this 12-year-old little boy. Zero words. He has learned to respond to two things, power and connection. Do you know what a dream it would be for him to be able to do his work by himself in a non-threatening environment in the principal's office where adults are nice to him? That would be the greatest gift to his sweet little brain and his sweet little body, peace. Adults who are actually kind to him, who hold him accountable and challenge him academically but love him because he doesn't have that. He's got a mom who is rattled from the inside out, probably has been for a long time. And I'm not blaming you. It just isn't is. He's got a... Well, and it doesn't help that I've dealt with depression on and off and I'm finally getting myself healthy. So I'm, you know, finally getting the strength to deal with everything. Good, 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 good. You can, he can only be as well as you are. And I know that's a scary proposition for you. Um, would it benefit to try to get him into counseling? Like, I keep trying to get him into that, but he's like, I'll just go there and I'll just, just stare at him. So I'm like, I don't know if that's, that's worth the fight to try to. He needs a couple of men in his life that he can actually trust and aren't going to harp on him all the time about it, pull his pants up and fix his belt. And is that what you're wearing? And turn your shirt around. He needs a couple of guys in his life that'll take him fishing and laugh with him. Well, my, my, um, dad was a stepdad, but he, you know, tries to take him out constantly. And my boyfriend like wants to go out and do four wheeling and paintballing and all that stuff with him. But then he gets mad because he's not listening to him. So, yeah, he, he, I mean, and it sounds like I'm saying it's a free for all. Absolutely not. He needs to experience accountability. He needs to experience choices, but he also needs to experience autonomy and he needs to experience more than anything, a safe environment. And he's never had that. All right. And you know this, and I'm not saying this to, I'm saying this to challenge you, not to kick you while you're down, okay? No, I understand. This is all of the recipes for the making of a disaster down the road. This is a brilliant, unsafe boy about to become a brilliant, unsafe man. And that's a danger. Right. And so it sounds like what he needs is a good butt kicking. Nope. What he needs is to feel safe and secure for the first time in his life. Ever. And this is going to sound bananas, 
But I would start with, you've heard me say this a million times on the show. When's the last time you just took him out and listened to him? How are things going? I'm not trying to coach you or teach you or tell you. Like, how's it going? Uh, that's a dangerous question because um, for the last two years, my work's been working six days a week, 10 hour days. So okay. I'm out of the house a lot. Okay. Part of you getting well might be thinking, I've got to get a different job. Part of you getting well might be this like romantic relationship I'm in that I'm in to band-aid over the last one, which band-aids over the last one, which band-aids over a lifetime of fill in the blank, that those aren't serving me well. And when I'm not, when you don't feel safe, and by the way, Jackie, you don't feel safe either. I can hear it on you. You feel one, one, uh, one tiny like uh, spider's web. You're hanging on by. Is that true? Yeah, a little bit. I think part of it's just, I'm at the point where I'm like, is he going to get frustrated enough that, you know, he's going to want to kick us out (laughs) of the home? (laughs) Why are you trying to please him? Why? Uh, because he's the first person that's actually made me feel like I have a life and I'm worth living. <laughs> then he shouldn't be making you feel like you got to perform for him or he, or you're, you're off the stage. And he might not be saying those words, but that might be what you're projecting onto him. And that's not fair if you're doing that to him. Right. And he's one of those people that kind of keeps bottled stuff bottled up, bottled up and, you know, has a hard time. I know, but you know, women and children are exquisite at absorbing that sort of tension. You know why? Because they have to, to keep alive. And so when he's all bottled up, you feel it and you can nuzzle up to him and be romantic and make the meal that you can do all those things, bring home the paycheck that he wants. You can do that, but your body knows we're not safe. You know, especially knows that. The finest tuned radar in your home is that sweet little 13-year-old boy. Not one thing you've described to me is out of character for that little boy. I'm so heartbroken for him, I can hardly even stand it because I, I got a boy just like him. The difference is, and now it's, again, I'm not perfect parent by a long shot. My kid can be goofy. He can be a 12-year-old. He can be a 13-year-old. He can do all, all the middle school boy things. But that boy knows he's safe, and that boy knows he is loved. Right. And that's where we're going to start with him. Very, like, quick out of the gate. If you said, give me three things to do right now, I would say you have to figure out a work schedule where you go to, you leave in the morning early or you go in the evening and you take him on a date once a week without fail, twice a week if you can. No boyfriend, no whatever. Y'all to go together. I can do that. I get home at 4.30 in the afternoon, so. Awesome. And once a week, he gets to pick the restaurant. Once a week, you get to pick it. And it might mean okay. you can't afford it and you going to have to forego something cool forego want Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean that's pretty i've taken my son there um sometimes he picks that place just to torture me but that is what it is and then i get dorito tacos and everything's better for about eight minutes well but, i'm on a carnivore diet so there, i'll probably have to fast while he's eating <laughs> no but don't no 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 don't do that eat forget the car what, what's like why do the car why now why now <laughs> Because it's helping my migraines and my depression and all that okay. stuff. So. All right. Well, whatever. whatever. <laughs> There's a good reason. Okay. <laughs> Taco Bell will not help those three things. Um, right. I'll just eat the beef. <laughs> he gets to pick. And here's what we're going to do. We are not going to lecture him. Whenever you feel yourself reaching up to give him advice, you're going to stop. You're going to listen. You're going to ask him questions like, what scares you? 
What are you missing? I'm going to send you all the questions for humans cards you can use with him, okay? I appreciate that. You you can take them, and this is going to be your date. It's going to be your game. And then if he has another game he wants to play, cool. If he wants to get a puzzle and just not talk, cool. The second thing we're going to do every single morning and every single evening before bed, you are going to hug him to your chest for 30 seconds. And he doesn't get a vote, but he kind of does. Okay. And you're not going to say mama needs a hug because he already feels like he has to take care of you and he can't carry that. All right. You're going to say mom really wants to hug her, the most important man in her life. Will you give mom the opportunity to hug the man that she loves more than any other man on the planet? That's what we're going to say every single day. And then he's going to go, Ma. and you'll say, I want to hug the most important man on the planet. The third thing is you have to be on the lookout for male influences in his life that aren't just going to take a paintball and show him how to drink beer and how to whip ass and be a man. (laughs) Not that. Who are going to see him and love him and provide a good model for what this, what being a man looks like. And that's doing hard stuff. And that's being honest and that's being open and that's being vulnerable and that's feeling things and going and doing hard crap anyway. And if that's not your boyfriend, get out, get out. Would it be beneficial to have my uh, father try to take him out once a week too? If you think that's a safe, good person, that'd be amazing. amazing. (laughs) That That would be incredible. And now this little boy is going to start getting the thing he needs more than anything else, which is adults who love him, who not don't tell him, who show him through their most precious resource, their time. He's going to get something he desperately needs, which is to be fully seen and have be at re, be rest assured. I still love you. Awesome. Okay. And that you, by the way, you're playing a 10 year game here. What we're doing right Right, now, we are hoping that that 25-year-old kid who's now a 25-year-old man with all of the rights and privileges of grown men in our society, we're hoping that guy looks back and thinks, man, my mom really had a rough go of it the first decade of my life. And that, that brave, incredible woman turned it around. Man, I was really blessed to have my grandpa in my life. That guy walked alongside me and he was met with me every week forever. It drove me crazy and I miss him like crazy. Right. Okay. Well, we'll pl- luckily we're a pretty young family, so he'll have them for a while. <laughs> cool. But, but you're, but all that to say is this isn't going to get better in four months. Oh, I understand that. Okay. The last thing I'll tell you is this, this is number four and then I'm going to, I'll let you go. I would come up with some sort of set of family values that he gets to speak into. And that might be on your third or fourth or fifth or sixth date that y'all have in a row. You could tell him, Hey, I've been wondering who I'm going to be, who I want to be, who you want to be and not just what job we're going to do, but who are we going to be? Would you make a list with me? Let's do a project together. And this will be a project that says, we're going to talk to people with respect and dignity. We, we get our work done on time. We show up on time. That's just who we are. We're people who treat other people right. And we treat them right by, if they give us an assignment, we just get it done. And that way, when he chooses to not do his homework, you've got something back to say, hey, you chose this consequence too. Because you know who we are. We all agreed on it. And he gets to hold you accountable, mom. When you yell and scream or kick or throw something, he gets to say, ah, that's not who we are. We said we were going to be this. And then you have to pay him 20 bucks. That's the fine. That sounds fair. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. But here's what we're doing. The, the nerd word is autonomy. We're giving him some tiny feeling that he has some bit of control in his life. And up to this point, he's had none. No control. He has been at the whim of adults who are doing acting like children, running around, doing child things in adult bodies. And he's terrified. And now he's got, man, 
Now that sweet little boy has a chance to just do his homework in peace in the principal's office. And principals can be tough, but man, they love smart, good kids. And those school secretaries in the principal's office and those school administrators, they would be nice to him. Finally, finally. When your kids, everybody, when your kids are acting out, let your first question not be, what's wrong with my kid? Let your first question be, why doesn't my kid feel safe? Start there. Solve for safety. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show, one of the greatest metal rock anthems of all time ever. This one's near and dear to my heart. Me and Mike and Tom and others used to jam this when we were kids. By the great Twisted Sister, and the song is We're Not Gonna Take It. I can't believe I haven't thought of this song before. It's legend. We've got the right to choose. Yeah! There ain't no way we'll lose it. This is our life, this is our song. We'll fight the powers that be. Just don't pick our destiny because you don't know us. You don't belong. We're not going to take it. No, we're not going to take it. We're not going to take it anymore. Oh, you're so condescending. Your gall is never ending. You don't want nothing. We don't want nothing. Not a thing from you. Your life is trite and jaded, boring and confiscated. If that's your best, your best won't do. <laughs> it's so great. We're right. Yeah. We're free. Yeah. We'll fight. You'll see. We're not going to take it anymore. I was going to say we're not going to take it on this show either, but I take it every single show. So we'll see you soon.